Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from ilikehugh.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at ilikehugh.com. Now, let's get started. Tracy Koga with something short and fun. This is a Hugh soundbite. Well, I think I've waited two years now almost to have Robin Priest live here on our set. Uh, you know, welcome to our, our Hugh set. I know you've seen it through Zoom, <laughs> but uh, now you're in the hot seat, Robin. Uh, it's exciting. I don't know about being in the hot seat, but it, it's exciting to be here in person. I know, I know. And you know what? You've always had so much wisdom and humor when talking about mental health. But um, November, and it's here we are halfway through almost the end of November, and it is Addictions Awareness Month. And, you know, beyond the addiction, it's mental health. And we're heading into the holidays. So it's kind of um, a heavy month, is it not? I don't know if I see it as a heavy month, right? I see it as a month where we have this opportunity where we have the opportunity all the time, but we specialise in some months, but we have the opportunity to have brave conversations with people Mm -hmm. and actually check in how they're doing instead of just going, whoa, it's holidays, let's all have a good time because for some people it's tougher. Some people are disconnected from their family and maybe want to be connected mm-hmm. or maybe don't want to be connected and that's still an angst. So I think, I think having those brave conversations and really finding out how people are instead of those superficial ones that sometimes we have around the holidays. Oh, most definitely. And let's talk about your company, Live Your Truth, and your title is Nonconformist, which is so true, a co-creator. I guess the mission statement behind all of your work in the company. Yeah, like I won't tell you the dry mission statement, but really what we're about is let's start talking about mental health. Let's break down the stigma and discrimination that goes with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of us that are involved in the, in the company have our own experience or are family members. So I have my own experience of Um, what some would say is a serious mental illness Um, and I live this great life and I've worked out how to do that I've had great support and I've had some of the tough conversations Um, Charlotte who you'll you know meet in a bit like family members so we come together and go we want the world to be able to talk about this openly mental health for me is inclusive of addictions because many people who have addictions have kind of mental health things, but then mental health's a continuum, Tracy. It's like, it's, hey, I'm great, everything's good, to, whoop, the wheels are falling off. And that is like the hard part, right? And that's where I really truly believe peer support comes in, that first intervention, if you want to call it, but just to have that knowledge that you're not alone, right, um, when things slide. And yeah, and living with addiction, you're not cured. 
right? Like, there's there's always that constant battle. Um, like, I want to say for some people, yes, and for some people, they'll say, no, I've, I've got this. And I think that's the thing we have to think about when we when we talk about addiction and mental health, again, there's a continuum of how people like look at it mm-hmm. and see whether they're still dealing with it and it's this lifelong thing or whether they feel like they've got it. It just depends on how people want to talk about it. Okay, well, maybe we should ask then our guests that are going to join <laughs> us virtually, but I mean, it's been a long time for you to see even some of these people. Yeah. So let's open our virtual chat room to Charlotte, Jacob, and Roz. Hello, everybody. Okay, and now you can all un- yeah, you can all unmute <laughs> yourselves and you can talk hey, over Tracy. Robin. Hi, Hi Roz. <laughs> it's so nice to see your beautiful face, and uh, I know that um, we've had a, a very serious conversations about addictions, about mental health, and uh, just uh, Robin was just saying. I asked her the question. Um, what you're never cured from an addiction you're constantly having to you know fight the urge or you know and sometimes you know you do slide off but uh, Robin gave a very interesting perspective that mm, that could be for some and then you know for others they have really made it so I'm going to ask Roz what is your opinion on this question Ah, interesting. Um, my opinion, I agree with what Robin said. I, I think that uh, I think that if we're able to, or if a person is able to work through some of those things that, you know, cause them to reach for something to change how they feel. Um, you know, for me, there's a lot of trauma or some trauma in my background. And you know, what I found is that if I'm not, I do have to do things to take care of myself. And it's not so much about I'm fighting this urge or I'm just, you know, like sitting on the edge all of the time, like, you know, wanting to pick up something. But I do have to take care of myself and I have to be able to manage, you know, my emotions as they come up, especially when big things come up. Um, you know, because when big things come up and it could be, you know, a, a big happy thing, or it could be a big painful thing. Um, either of those, either of those extremes, can you know make a substance seem uh, inviting? You know, and what I also know is true is like you know, for me, crack cocaine that was my drug of choice. Okay, and 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 if I pick that up, the the wheels are gone. There is no bus. There's nothing. Every everything, you know, it's over with pretty much. Um, if I pick that up and if I if I go too far with it. Um, but I also know that, you know, so often, you know, people put down one thing and they pick up something else that's more socially acceptable. And so, you know, I don't I don't do this anymore, but now, you know, I shop, you know, I'm 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 on Amazon every day, you know. Or I don't I don't I, I leave Amazon alone, but oh boy, I love to eat, you know, and, and I'm just eating everything that 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 is good to me. Um, and so it's just, I think it's about managing the emotions and the stress because the stress, you know, leads to the, the, the overwhelm, you know? Um, and so it's about taking care of ourselves or about me taking care of myself along the way, like every day, because if I don't do that, then, you know, 
it can sneak up on me. And before I realize, I am overwhelmed, you know, just with life. Um, and, you know, I'm reaching for something. And so I, I don't think there's so much of a daily struggle, again, not to not to use, but it, it is daily maintenance mm -hmm. just to maintain wellness and balance. Um, and, and if I'm not maintaining balance in my life, then, you know, I can I can tip. tip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we wobble, but we don't fall down. Um, Charlotte, uh, Robin said your title is uh, peer support, family peer support momager, and I love that. Uh, my question, and it's spilling on this, how important is it not to be an enabler? And, and maybe I'm speaking from a parent's side, you know, uh, maybe dealing with a child, or and how important is it, right, that we should not be an enabler? And maybe you can maybe talk more on what an enabler is. Oh, you know, um Thanks for this question, Tracy and, and Roz. I just I just want to add thanks for sharing. I, I learn a little bit more about my family every time you and I talk, and so just understanding my mom a little bit better. So thank you for that. Um, we did a Kirsten and I, who works with us with Robin and I in our company, we did a, a podcast with a panel on and um, participants on Wednesday around the word enabler. And a couple of moms got really angry when we were asking the question, are you an enabler? And they, their immediate response is, no, I'm not an enabler. I'm just trying to save my child. And um, so we, we started to dig a little deeper, you know, well, what does that saving your child look like? And so then they would answer a little bit more and then they went, oh, I think I am an enabler. So <laughs> I, I don't ever wanna say, it's a shameful thing, but when we are working with families, we support them to look at what how their actions look and if they are enabling. So when you ask the question, Tracy, is a, enabling a bad thing? It can be, um, and it can be a means to save a child too, depending on, on what the parent is thinking at the time. And um, so I, I wanna be cautious in saying it's always a bad thing. But what happens is when you support your child to start taking ownership of their own life, of their own behaviors and of their own actions um, and support them to look at what they're doing. So in, in terms of, you know, say using a substance um, to, to numb the pain in their head, um, which was the case in some of my family members, um, it wasn't until my family member took a, a hard look at their lives and what they were doing and why they were doing it. And then like Roz said, started to look at some different coping strategies that work to maintain their mental health. That's when I started to see the change in them. Um, but when I was doing that role of, yeah, enabling them, well, you know, this is what they have to do because they're, they're hurting or this is what they have to do to support themselves. Um, that was a hard thing and it, was, it wasn't a good thing for my, you know, my child's mental health. Um, and, uh, yeah, anyway, I keep going. I, I'm getting a little muddled in that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you know, and, I guess, yeah. you know where I go actually, Tracy, and I just, I'm going to add a little bit. Um, I grew up with two parents who, who drank. And so I've got some, some addiction background as a child that, um, I wished that, um, 
I had understood better when I was a child and a teenager and, and an adult. And, um, and where my head was going with that is often families, you know, sweep it under the rug. They don't want to talk about it. And the child is left questioning, um, you know, is, is this my normal life or, you know, is there anything wrong or why do I feel the way I do? And, and so for me, having these conversations, um, you know, with Jacob and Tracy, uh, Robin and Roz, you know, just for others, for maybe younger children to understand, you know, what's going on at home and, and to get some supports and help that way. No, and, and it's true. And, and kids these days, they're not dumb. No. <laughs> In fact, no. they probably know more than we give them credit for. <laughs> and, but yeah. you're right, Charlotte, though, it's the non-communication. It's the sweeping under the rug. It's like tight-lipped, we don't talk about that, or the brush off. That's where the damage right starts. It's, it's those brave conversations. We've mm -hmm. got to be willing to have them. Mm -hmm. Like if we want to do any change in the future. Yeah. Well, and speaking of change, Jacob, ta-da. <laughs> oh no, I, I hope you don't mind being around all of these women, but you know, it's not like we're ganging up on you. Never, never, never. <laughs> uh, but making change, um, very interesting. Uh, I'm going to give that topic to you, change. And uh, you work with the homeless, working with Main Street Project, uh, an amazing organization too as well. But yourself, your own story, it's all about change. Is it a hard thing to do? Yes and no. Uh, change is hard to do when you have 20 different people behind you yapping at you, telling you how you should change. And letting yourself realize that not to listen to them, but to listen to what you want to do, how you want your life to go, how you want to change, and then doing it. So it's hard, but it's easy, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, you know, well, we're in Winnipeg and it's winter pig and my goodness, uh, you know, how much snow fell mm -hmm. so quickly. Um, what has it been like on the streets? It's, it's been crazy, but it's been good. So we've just been working a lot harder than we usually do, handing out more warm materials that we've been squirreling away over the summer and just trying to keep the community, our, our friends and family that are living on the streets uh, warm and safe. It's, it's just, it's the best job. Oh, no doubt. And for yourself too, um, we had an interesting conversation. You were at one point homeless and sometimes that is where people want to be, right? Yeah, the the truth is is that you can uh, I can buy five hundred homes and I could offer one to every person that's living on the street in Winnipeg or another small city, but only seventy five percent will take it because we're humans and every human has different desires. And yeah, there's some people who enjoy sleeping outside and I am completely okay with that. I have lots of family and friends that still sleep outside and it's just, you know what, just be there for them. Wow. It's uh, continue on doing your work. Well, we're going to get you more into the conversation. So um, getting back to addiction and that, you know, Roz, you can step in on this too. It has obviously become more apparent. We're talking about it more 
and how much, I guess, the pandemic and COVID has brought this forth. Am I right, Robin? Uh, truth be told, I don't know the statistics. Mm-hmm. Um, I would think, I, I do know that uh, around Winnipeg, I think the alcohol sales were up by mega amount. So maybe, maybe not. But I, I think, I don't know if it's more than it used to be, but I think it's talked about more. I think mm-hmm. it's more in the open. So we see it more. Um, I, I, yeah, it's probably gone up. I think food addiction has probably gone up. I, I certainly know that I was eating things that were like, I'm just going to buy this and this. And I go, no, I'm not going to have it. And I go to the store and be like, come on, come on. Um, and I, you know, I, because I was numbing how I was feeling. And I, I think the place for me is as we, as we continue with what's occurring, because I don't see it going away anytime quickly, that if we can support people who want to connect with other people sometimes as as Jacob was saying sometimes people like I don't want to hide I don't want to talk to people give me space but like I just the more we reach out Mm -hmm. and I think I've talked to you about it before like instead of just hi how are you the grocery store and you know and you say not good and the person's like okay let me (laughs) goodbye that was 20 bucks um I think if we really engage human to human and we actually like care what's happening and we start to support people differently I you know I say the same thing over and over again Mm -hmm. I think it's about getting our human back on and caring about our neighbor and caring about our community and I think we lost that and I'm kind of hoping that given the shakeup with COVID, we actually do engage more mm-hmm. with people than we did before because we found out how it feels to be isolated yeah. and alone mm-hmm. and not be able to see people. Oh, I got goosebumps then. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm, I'm hoping the general population really got... Um, it sounds weird, a feel for how it is to not be able to connect. Mm -hmm. And then maybe that gives them a different perspective when we start to be able to connect more and more and more. I don't know if that answered your question. I think I went off topic, but there you go. Hey, Uh, so Roz, you're listening to Robin. How are things in Georgia, in the States? Things things in the States of the pandemic, definitely, I mean, there are the statistics and I don't know them, but I do know that addiction, that um, setbacks for people who, who, you know, live with addiction and um, even, you know, overdose, uh, suicides, all those things are up um, as a result or since the pandemic. And and I think that Robin, Robin is right when we think about... Um, that inability to connect, you know? There are some folks who will say that, you know, sobriety or abstinence is not the opposite of addiction, but connection Mm. is the opposite of addiction. And that connection and that being able to engage is the thing that we really need, that that getting our human on. And and 
you know, it, it's interesting and something that I've experienced recently because the pandemic, you know, hadn't been kind to me. Um, something that I experienced is people, people genuinely, genuinely wanting to connect with me, but then like the stigma, there's such a stigma around, you know, addiction and around other mental health concerns. And, you know, to admit that you're struggling is a difficult thing for folks to do, to say, hey, you know, I really do need, I need something more than what I'm getting. Um, and sometimes figuring out what that is or what that even looks like and how do I, how do I ask, you know, um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people get lost right there. Like there's a gap in how do I really ask for the support that I need? How do I let somebody know that I'm struggling just for the fear of judgment or whatever else that might come along with it? And then there just is this kind of cloak of secrecy that comes <laughs> with, um, that comes with 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 active addiction and and that comes with all of that as well and it's like you know this idea that i can somehow hide it and so we were talking earlier about sweeping it under the rug you know but it's you know the proverbial pink elephant you can't sweep an elephant under a rug you know what i mean <laughs> and so to act like to act like it's not there and that's what we do you know everybody sees it everybody knows but we we can't talk about this thing that's just so obvious um and so, you know, the idea of, of, of continuing to, to be able to have the brave conversations, the difficult conversations, um, it takes some courage. You know, it really takes courage to ask for support. It really takes courage to say, hey, I, I'm really going through right now um, because it's such a vulnerable place to be. Um, you know, so definitely, you know, the, the pandemic has had a huge impact and just figuring out ways to, you know, extend ourselves to each other um, in a way that, that is safe for people mm -hmm. so that they can ask for what they need and they can have, you know, we can have the difficult conversations, I think is, is what's necessary. Wow. And like, you know, it's okay, you know what I mean? Yeah. If you slip up, it's, it's all right. You know, grab, grab a hold yeah. of somebody and, and come on back, you know? Yeah. Um, you don't have to just suffer and fall off into the abyss. You know, we, you know, there there are folks. Just just grab a hand and and come back. It really is okay. Um, you know, I think to get that message out there is important. Oh well, thanks, Ross. Jacob, I'm curious. Um, how do you have how do you have those conversations with the families, your friends, on the streets? I I just talk to people. Uh, that's it. I, uh, I treat people like people. I treat the community, any community, like I've known them for 100 years. And I speak to people exactly how I would talk to my wife, my daughter, my best friend, Robin, <clears throat> anyone. And it not being fake about things and just showing people that mm -hmm. you do not care what they're doing. You don't care where they're at. You're none of that matters and it just helps people realize oh my goodness this person really just cares about me and yeah and when people are ready they'll come to you and when they come to you just be ready to help them achieve what they want to do it's it's pretty easy uh, i hate to say but as for myself asking for help it's no <laughs> It's really hard, especially being 
a heroin addict that's been clean for almost 22 years. It's every day is a struggle still. And, and I can't always ask for help because there's not people in my life who are have the same background as me in regards to being a junkie. So, yeah, it's day by day. Wow. Well, um, well, when you speak from the heart like that, Jacob, that's, uh, I think, halfway there anyways, right, Robin? I mean, to have that understanding and the self-awareness, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. It's pretty, it's pretty powerful, Jacob. And, uh, you know, this is the mm. tough conversations that we're all having. Uh, Charlotte, I'm going to bring you in here, too. Tough conversations mm. as a parent. You know, having that tough one. When I was listening to Raza's words about, you know, just, you know, reaching out and hand and support and, and when I'm working with parents, a lot of times it's, you know, when, when your child's come forward and said, Hey, listen, I'm struggling. And this is what it looks like. You know, how do we have those tough conversations without overreacting or trying to fix, save and mm -hmm. solve them, but listening to what, what they want. And, um, you know, and hearing Jacob's words where there's not many who could, could help me, um, you know, coming from supporting, say, you know, Jacob's parents is just having those conversations with them to say, hey, Jacob, I'm hearing you, you know, what can we do to support you as opposed to thinking that you know all the answers to what he needs. Because mm -hmm. um, as parents, we all think we know what, what our child needs or what is best for our child, but it's not until we listen to what they want and then support them with what that looks like. You know, Roz talked about, um, you know, harm reduction or, you know, abstinence, you know, it looks different to everybody what they're wanting. Um, and it's when we can support our child to explore what's going to work for them. That's when I saw the, the biggest change in, in my child is, is when I when I changed my language, when I was supporting her to make her choices, to make her decisions on what her mental health looked like and what supports that she needs. And, uh, and I encourage any parent, you know, to ask their child what that looks like and wait for the answer, not assume that you know. Oh, so the future, we're almost nearing 2021. What's 2022 gonna look like? Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's, um, <clears throat> it's, sorry, it's an uh, ever moving kind of feast, I think. I don't know if we know what it's gonna look like, but what, people like Roz and, and Jacob and Charlotte and I are going to continue to do is like speak from the heart, speak about our experiences, share that. Jacob said, you know, he doesn't reach out for help because people don't know some of the things. And that's the thing for me about peer support is being able to chat to someone mm -hmm. who's had like similar, not the same because we all experience things differently, but being able to have that conversation and say, you're not alone. Like, you know, I've, I've had some tough times. These are the kind of things I did to get through it. They may or may not work for you, but like, let's just chat. And like, if, if 2022 can be the year of non-judgment, and not just in this area, in every area. But if we can come with non-judgment and no agenda when we're like going there to 
we're not trying to fix solve save as charlotte said that's that would be my wish for mm-hmm. 2022 and that's what charlotte and i are going to focus on we're we're actually uh just about to start writing a book together called uh furious uh, no <laughs> curious not furious conversations and and about how do we have those tougher conversations nobody can steal that title we've got it copyrighted <laughs> um but but just ha- how do we come without that deer in the headlight judgment oh my god i've got to save you kind of place mm-hmm. and come with empathy and compassion and i i just want people to be passionately curious well, there's another book title. <laughs> so I'm just going to go around. Um, what would be your wish, Roz, for 2022? I love the, the, the year of non-judgment um, and just coming together, year of connection, that people, that, that, that there is a place for everyone and, and a person or, or a, a group for everyone, you know. Um, yeah, that would be it. That people are able to find a place for themselves um, where they can just be who they are. Awesome. Jacob? For the next year, I would like to see addictions become more normalized. That is, that's honestly the best thing I can say because the quicker we normalize it and decriminalize uh drugs we're gonna see less of our family members dying less of our community dying Mm -hmm. if there's safe supplies for people so i'd love to see that and i would just love to see more people treat people like people instead of statistics numbers or feel sorry for them oh great and charlotte you know uh one of the stories that comes to mind is is a, I was working with a family and uh, their child was really struggling and it was I was working with the mom and dad and and the dad had an aha moment one day and he said oh it's not all just about my child it's about me too and where I go with that is you know in the family and whatever family is to you is what family is to Robin and me um, we all have mental health and then our family has mental health and when we all start to look at the role each of us plays in our mental health in our family story that's when you can see real change within a family. So um, my hope is that when when parents come to me or family members come to me and it's, and it's all about the child or it's all about the spouse and they're the ones with all the problems, um, I'd love for everybody to take a look at themselves and their own mental health. And uh, and I'd, I think we would see huge change in, uh, in our families. Wow, okay, so we have all our work cut out for our, everybody here just to make the world at least a, a better place. And uh, you know what, thank you so much, Robin. I mean, these conversations are always so good and I'm only hoping that it just spreads. So thank you. Just love it. Thanks for letting us on. And Charlotte, sorry, I put it out there loudly. We're writing that book. We're gonna have to now. Um, anyway. It's it's always such a pleasure to talk about something I'm completely passionate about. I know. When you speak from the heart, like all of you have, um, amazing things will happen. So thank you, Robin, Charlotte, Jacob. Wonderful to see you. And Roz, as always. And uh, 
hopefully, yes, we'll see you in 2022. Thanks, Tracy. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of ilikeyou.com. Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's blasttheradio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.